This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I'm joined. At, well, I'm Chip Brown. First and foremost, and I'm joined as always by our fearless leader, the Horns 24-7 managing editor, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just fine, Chip. How about you? Well, you know, we're all losing our minds just a little bit, but... Have been for a while. (laughs) That's true. Absolutely. Five (laughs) months in, we're all little Lulu, but uh, we got sports happening this week. I mean, Major League Baseball, your dad's... Beloved sport. I mean, look at all the memorabilia there in Taylor's screen. You got oh, yeah. World Series yeah. stuff behind her. You got your autograph, Nolan Ryan. Uh, picture him punching Robin Ventura in the face. I have a, a replica of the 69 Mets World Series ring that they gave oh, yeah. us. <laughs> so, if, you're, if you're new to the flagship podcast, uh, Taylor, Taylor's dad, Rod Gasper, scored the game-winning run for the Miracle Mets in game four of the 1969 World Series. Uh, Of course, Nolan Ryan and Rod Gasper were the only rookies on that team. Thus, Taylor gets a personal autograph of that (laughs) picture of Nolan Ryan punching Robin Ventura next to her there. So, yes, we got pro baseball going. We're going to get the NBA going. Uh, I mean, we got all kinds of stuff going. So, And we've got uh, the Big 12 Football Media Day. It's been cut down to one day it's going to happen this monday and um and before we go headlong into that preview make sure that you if you're a texas longhorns fan make sure you check out the uh, flagship podcast from monday and my interview with casey hampton one of the all-time greats at the university of texas he led the team in tackles from the nose guard position for two seasons in 1999 and 2000, went on to be a first-round draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers, five-time Pro Bowler, two Super Bowl victories, and I think needs to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know, the Pro Football Hall of Fame only has one nose guard in it, Curly Culp from those badass Raiders teams in the 70s. Well, Casey Hampton, Troy Polamalu, James Harrison, to me, are the three most important members of those Steelers defenses that dominated in the first decade of the 2000s. Remember, they won the Super Bowl the same year the Longhorns won the national championship. Check out that interview. Taylor, um, look, we've got uh, Big 12 Football Media Day. It was going to be two days uh, in you know July 20th and 21st, and we were going to get to talk to players. But then they realized um, that it was all, all the questions were going to be about COVID-19, and coaches hadn't had enough time around their players because they were just coming off voluntary workouts and getting into mandatory team activities where coaches can basically supervise some walkthrough type drill things. And then, you know, if the players happen to want to do some seven on seven, 
Uh, the coaches can't coach during that, but they might be able to watch. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, they wanted coaches to have a little more time with their players so they could actually answer some questions intelligently about who looks good and that kind of thing. And of course, West Virginia just fired their defensive coordinator for racially insensitive remarks that were called out by uh, sophomore safety Kerry Martin Jr. So Neil Brown is looking for a new defensive coordinator. Um, and, you know, ay, 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 right? It's been that kind of off season. So time to be alive, basically. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, gosh. So, yeah. So this is where we are. I mean, look at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is a powerhouse, right? They got 19 starters back. They got the nation's leading rusher back. They got electric quarterback Spencer Sanders and All-American Tylen Wallace back at receiver and their whole darn defense is back. And, and yet, how do you factor in their locker room cohesion? I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those crazy, crazy years. It'll never, I hope it'll never be like this again, but I mean, it's, uh, and I think we only have 20 minutes with each coach, Taylor. Um, but glorified hey. our weekly glorified media call basically with right. um, that we get them, you know, every Monday during the football season for what, Man. 10, 15 minutes, maybe. So, and just to, just to, um, differentiate what big 12 media days is like normally, normally we're at Jerry world. It's two full days. And I mean, two full days, like the teams start coming in around, nine nine thirty because the events really get going for them at 10 usually bob bowlsby talks at nine the first day then you know each coach talks and then they do this massive um sort of uh you know group interview where they have all the teams and the players available for an hour and a half mm -hmm. and you can go pick and choose who you want to go talk to and it's great great stuff you really build your whole preseason look at the big 12. And so by contrast, we're going to be getting 20 minutes with each coach, like on a zoom call. So let's just, uh, as usual, let's just power through mad dog 2020. As long as we get college football, Taylor, I don't care if we only get 20 seconds with each coach, but, yeah. um, you know, give me your thoughts on just the zaniness of, of what we're, what we're looking at here heading into 2020. Well, I mean, Chip, beggars can't be choosers, right? So we're, we've been basically begging for football season to even happen. So I'm glad that Media Days is still, as it currently stands, you know, scheduled to go um, and with, you know, the football season too. But it's, it's an interesting, I mean, I, I, like I can think of a lot better words that wouldn't be appropriate for me to use, but interesting might be the, the best one for how just this entire off season has gone, how you mentioned, you know, with various, uh, you know, locker room issues, Texas being one of them. I mean, you know, the Zoom call that Texas had, that Tom Herman had with the team back in, I guess that was early June. And it feels like every month is like, you know, 800 days. But um, I think that was early June. And, you know, the players called him out. And the things that were said were not publicized. But, you know, we heard behind the scenes how that went. And, you know, as you mentioned, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, um, now West Virginia, Neil Brown has that on his hands. I mean, this has just been a wild ride. I'll say that. And all I can hope for right now is that football season does actually 
happen. And I'm glad that the Big 12 has waited basically to make any firm decisions. Um, as we talked about on last week's show, you know, I thought that the Big 10 was very uh, quick to jump to the conclusion to cancel all non-conference games and then the Pac-12 followed suit. But, you know, I thought that was an amateur move by an amateur commissioner of the Big 10. So I'm really glad that both the SEC and the Big 12 and I believe the ACC at this point, I know there were some reports that they were going to be canceling non-conference games, but I think that the league office had um, quieted those. So I'm glad some people are taking their time and not rushing into this, but I'm just still hopeful that football happens. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a lot. And we've been talking about the perception of of this and it all the decision-making stress is on the presidents and chancellors. And these are academic people for the most part. And their big concern is, I don't want my campus to become a hotspot. And how, do we have in-person classes? Do we have the students on campus for the fall semester or, or not? And if we don't, does that mean we can't have athletics? So that's where the pressure is building is on those presidents and, and chancellors. And so far, uh, the Big 12, the SEC uh, have been patient Mm-hmm. And and why not? I mean, if we can get more information, then let's make the most informed decision we possibly can. But Taylor, we um, didn't really touch on the fact that Texas has five members on that uh, preseason first team, all Big 12, as voted by the media. And that matches Oklahoma mm-hmm. for the highest number of first team preseason uh, Big 12 selections, and they are Sam Ellinger, Samuel Cosme, uh, Caden Stearns, Deshaun Jameson, and Joseph Osai. And I like those picks. I, I really like the Deshaun Jameson pick. I, I did not vote Caden Stearns uh, first team on my ballot because I felt like last year was not uh, representative of his talent, his, his, his freshman year. Right. Uh, definitely was. He had four interceptions, led the team in interceptions. Last year, he had zero interceptions and one pass breakup. And I think everyone remembers him most for missing the tackle on Justin Jefferson's uh, 61-yard touchdown run uh, when Texas was facing third and 17 uh, in the final minutes of the LSU game. So please pardon my printer. It's just on <laughs> doing its own thing. I didn't even touch anything. I don't know. My son is printing something or aliens are, but um, we're having a raucous time over here in the Chip Brown studio. But um, your thoughts, Taylor, on, on, uh, on Caden Stearns and all the, all the names I just mentioned. You know, I, I agree with you. I, I'm, you know, Sam Ellinger, Sam Cosme, I think those were givens. Um, Joseph Osai, if people paid attention to his play last year, I think that was a given, especially if they watched the Alamo Bowl where he's playing in a more natural position that he's going to be playing in moving forward. Um, I was surprised by both Caden Stearns and Deshaun Jameson. And I know Deshaun's your boy, and like I think the sky's the limit for him. But I don't know if I – like the way that I vote on these is what these players have already accomplished rather than projecting what – 
I think they will do this season. I don't know if that's the right way to vote on it or not, but I don't know if I would say that Deshaun Jameson was one of the top defensive backs in the conference last season. And so he's a returning one. I think that was as a little bit of a surprise. And um, I mean, I wouldn't have voted, you know, Caden Stearns on my ballot because same thing, you know, he did not have the sophomore year. I don't think that's really a warranted one, but his name is probably a little bit more well-known throughout the Big 12 media just because he was on the preseason All-Big 12 team last year as well. And um, so it doesn't surprise me really that he was on there because I think some people are like, oh, Caden Stearns, yeah, he's good. He was a five-star, put him on there without realizing, you know, last year was a really big letdown year for him. So those two surprised me, um, but it was, you know, like for Texas to have five along with Oklahoma, you know, the Big 12 pick, Big 12 media picked Oklahoma, number one, Oklahoma State, number two, and then Texas, number three. But they believe Texas has more, you know, better players in Oklahoma State, clearly, because Oklahoma State has less players selected to this team. So um, I definitely think they got three of them right. I'll say that. Um, the other two were a little iffy for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, you know, Jeff Gladney at TCU was a monster corner. He moved on. And when you look at Deshaun Jameson's numbers, he had three interceptions, a forced fumble. He had uh, tackles behind the line of scrimmage. He single-handedly turned around the West Virginia game with two interceptions in that game. And the defense really turned that game around. I mean, Ellinger struggled early. Um, the defense kept giving the offense the ball back. And, and then they finally pulled away. But that was a game on the road, um, and and I think you know it's funny we remember certain games. I think voters remember certain games. I'm a Heisman Trophy voter. I said when Reggie Bush went crazy against Fresno State, uh oh, this is bad for Vince Young because voters are going to stop thinking about the whole season and just look at this crazy, insane stat game he's having right before the votes are due. And Vince, of course, struggled against AM that week when Vince absolutely should have won the Heisman. But I don't want to belabor that point. But Deshaun Jameson, I, I think voters remember that game. They also, I mean, I think a lot of Texas fans remember the offense bogging down in the second half of last season. And some of them have questions about whether Sam Ellinger is really the guy. And look, Spencer Rattler at OU has better Heisman odds right now in some Vegas sports books than Sam Ellinger, who's the four-year starter, who's won big games. He's beaten OU. He's beaten Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. He's led you know, plenty of fourth-quarter comebacks to win games. Granted, two of them last year were against Kansas and Kansas State, but he's done it, and he should have gotten another one against Iowa State, but Tom Herman didn't trust him to throw the football with a one point lead and four minutes left. So, um, you know, it's, I, I think the voters have some interesting, um, recollection. Like, like we said, I mean, Caden Stearns, he didn't, he didn't have anywhere near the numbers of guys like Colby Harvell Peel at, at Oklahoma state, who is a first team guy, Trevon Morig at TCU. Those guys were one and two in the, league and pass breakups last year had four and five interceptions you know Caden Stearns is is uh people remember he was a high high recruit and then the big freshman year and he made big plays in that TCU win Taylor and we're going to get into some some games on the Texas schedule that could 
be interesting for right. uh, the Longhorns. But yeah, I, I, I'm okay with the Deshaun Jameson pick, and and I, I I'm kind of su- pleasantly surprised because I thought he was one of the best playmakers. I think a healthy Jalen Green um, and a and a healthy Deshaun Jameson. He missed a couple games. Um, I think this secondary has a chance to just totally take off and yeah. I'm fascinated to see what Chris Ash is going to do with, with Chris Brown and, and BJ Foster, Chris Adamora. I mean, he's got a lot of depth and, and this is a defense that should really take a big step. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. Like I would say toe to toe, if I'm comparing Deshaun Jameson and Jalen Green's film last year, from start to finish, I think Jalen Green was a better player. Deshaun Jameson, that interception, the one against West Virginia, where I swear he leaped like five yards in the air. I mean, that was one of the best right. interceptions. That and Michael Griffin's interception, the toe touch interception um, against USC in that BCS National Championship game, those are two of the best interceptions I have seen probably. Um, but Deshaun's was, I mean, that was impressive. So Fourth I could, center. Yeah, that was a top 10 highlight. Yeah, I could see why people, if that's something they remember. But overall, I think Jalen Green is probably the more well-rounded, definitely more experienced, and I think probably has a higher ceiling as a corner than Deshaun Jameson. So that was kind of, you know, I I was a little surprised to see that name. If we're going to pick two Texas players on the uh, first-team All-Big 12 preseason team, I would have probably went with Jalen Green over Deshaun Jameson. but, you know, it's, it's good that – I think it's a good sign, though, for Texas that they have this amount of players, you know, that did make this li- the list. And um, it's, you know, there's no doubt that last year Texas was just absolutely plagued by injury, especially on defense. And I know people want to ignore that, but, you know, a lot of coaches lost their jobs because of it. And the reality is the talent was there all along. Now the, you know, new coaching staff, they were given – a golden goose, essentially, especially the defensive coach. Well, all of them. I mean, shoot, Sam Ellinger's a Heisman potential. Mike Yerzich can work with a, he- a potential Heisman trophy winner, you know, in year one. Um, and, you know, entire defense, Chris Ash inherited probably the most talented defense that Texas has had since, since I started oh, covering. The, I mean, probably, yeah, right. it's been a while. So um, I think it's a good sign that Texas has this amount of talent. It's just going to be interesting to see how they can all put it together. Yeah, no, it's gonna be fun, and um, I, I, I live in a bubble. <laughs> in my bubble, college football is happening. Mm-hmm. I think I've I've said on our our flagship message board at Horns twenty four seven. My son Tiger is into meditation. He's teaching me how to meditate to manifest things into existence. So we sit on our yoga mats in a hundred degree heat. It you know in the afternoon, and we will the college football season. Well, I do anyway. I don't know what he's manifesting. (laughs) Probably some girl. (laughs) Will a girl to like it. (laughs) But I'm manifesting college football into happening. So um, thank you, Taylor, for also, uh, and, you know, going in that direction. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we can, we can sort of believe it into existence, right? I mean, I hope so. Honestly, like I, I've always, I've never really been the, you know, half glass shattered type of person. And 
Um, you know, we've we talked about those them. people. They're everywhere. Yeah. And like some of the sports media, I, I mentioned this last week too, but some of the sports media, it's like, they're almost actively rooting against football season happening. And I'm just sitting here like, you don't realize like your job security. You may be like a well-known national person, which probably comes with a higher salary, which means you're probably one of the first ones to go if college football season doesn't happen. But sure, keep pushing. Go ahead and keep saying that, oh, how does football season look now, guys? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's right. like, like uh, how does your job look now? I don't know. Do you want us to say that? Because that's the reality of the situation. <laughs> I'm, I agree with you. I'm like, I have zero tolerance for that kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. I'll let the science and the medical people, the school presidents make those decisions. I'm like, if it's on the schedule and there's been no talk of cancellation or postponement, we are full steam ahead, baby. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, that's how we're tackling it here. Yes. I uh, needed so many media members on Twitter over the last several months because of this. Cause I'm like, I, it's hard. Like I have respect for a lot of these people and it's really hard not for me to like go back at them and be like, are you serious right now? <laughs> so I just mute them so I don't see their tweets, but yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, what, uh, so, you know, let's, let's kind of spitball here. I mean, as we will do a, a little bit of, uh, just how the pandemic and, and the social unrest is, how do you factor that in? I mean, like Baylor, okay. Baylor goes 11 and one last year and they've got quarterback Charlie Brewer back. And a lot of people look at the quarterback Right. And they say, is the quarterback back? Mm-hmm. And a guy like Charlie Brewer, who helped lead his team to an 11 and one regular season, you're like, okay, Brewer's back. Okay. And Baylor's going to be good. Yeah. But Baylor lost nine starters off of the best defense in the Big 12, including James Lynch, who had 13 sacks, and Bravion Roy, who's, who's like a, well, and Texas recruited him. Um, and then get him, but who's a bowling ball, kind of like Casey Hampton and anchored the point of attack and it knows on that Baylor defense, nine starters gone. I don't care if Dave Aranda, the new head coach was the LSU defensive coordinator, Phil snow, who was the architect of that defense left with Matt rule. And, and now Aranda has got to get a new culture in there. He's, had to do it on zoom for the most part. Now he's finally getting to meet with his players in person and get a feel for them in First workouts or whatever. It's a lot Taylor. Yeah. I mean, I see a big fall for Baylor um, because of that. And you know, my man, Charlie Brewer, who I love, I picked Baylor to be in the big 12 title game last year in large part because of Brewer. And, and then he leaves the big 12 title game and the sugar bowl on a cart uh, and, you know, questions about head injuries for him. So I don't know. I mean, I just think we're going to, I mean, I think the door opens for Texas. I think it's, I mean, you can look at OU first time starter at quarterback for Lincoln Riley, you know, Spencer Rattler, he's first recruited quarterback out of high school for Lincoln Riley. Everybody loves the guy. I don't know. I mean, is he going to have some jitters? Is he just a? Is he already Kyler Murray? Um, and then Oklahoma State. I love their skill talent. I love it. But my God, Chuba Hubbard, who ran for two thousand yards last year, could have gone to the NFL, probably been a second round pick, and be a millionaire. Right now, chose to come back 
to Oklahoma State. He didn't know his coach was going to wear some OAN or start talking about OAN in an April press conference and and how much he, you know, loves the that network and then get on a fishing boat and have his picture with OAN while his players are like that that show that network that that says that black lives matter is a is a farce i mean and now chuba hubbard is the one who called out mike gundy so it's like how do i factor that in yeah yeah i mean it's it's hard i don't think there's an answer right now um i think you just got to look at what what's on paper for all of the teams across the league you know um Charlie Brewer, there's no doubt that he's a good um, player, but and I know every single team did not go through spring spring football, but it's totally different missing spring football if you have at least some familiarity with the coaching the coaches on staff. And um, I know that Texas did not have a lot of that, but they still have familiarity with their head coach. They know what the culture is. They know what to expect. They know what what to do, what not to do. Baylor has had to do it all virtually, like from, I mean, how many, were there any, I I can't remember off the top of my head, were there any coaches that Dave Aranda retained from? Yeah, he he retained a few, including Joey McGuire, which I thought was a really smart move. That's right. But But yeah. Still, I mean, this, he's a first time head coach at a D1 head coach, you know, I mean, that's no easy task. And he's going into a conference that there's a lot of talent. And if you actually look just like at the level of talent in general, there, this is why I've been saying all along, there's no reason for Texas to not at least be in the Big 12 title. They should probably win it. Um, like from top to bottom, I mean, Oklahoma State, yes, they have the best running back in the conference, won it probably among the best in the country. Um, well, and Kansas also has Puka Williams as well, who's one of the best too, but Overall, from top to bottom, there's no denying that Texas has a lot, has signed a lot more actual like skill talent, actual defensive talent than any other team in the Big 12. And the recruiting rankings uh, over the last several years show that. So this is the year for Tom Herman. Um, he's never, you know, last year was the first time he was ever entering his third year as a head coach. He struggled a lot that year. Year four, I mean, it's it's make or break in my opinion, Chip. There's no reason for Texas to not take this opportunity and run with it. And if they don't, I'm going to question how good of a coach Tom Herman is. Because if he can't get his guys to get motivated and want to take control of this Big 12, which is open, it's wide open right now. If, if he can't get the guys motivated to do that, this new staff can't get the guys motivated to do that, then I don't think he's the answer at Texas. Well, I think we're we're going to find out. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, this is his opportunity to show he's an elite coach. Yeah. Um, as you said, three straight top 10 recruiting classes. This is the time where that should start to be reflected on the field. When Herman said in 2018, we overachieved or maybe arrived a little early. That, that, that's fair. Yeah. It's but, fair. Um, and then, you know, nine new starters on defense. Last year, you're expecting some growing pains. You don't have any experience at corner. Um, and so, you know, they – and then they got beat up in, in injuries. But this year, you got top talent, as you stated. You recruited Joseph Osai. You've got the, all these DBs. Caden Stearns was the number one safety in the country. 
BJ Foster number two, <laughs> right? And and Demarvian Overshawn was like number eight, mm-hmm. and and uh, Jalen Green and and Deshaun Jameson all top recruits. So this, I agree with you. This is this is when Tom Herman needs to make a statement. He needs to be in that Big Twelve title game. To me, anything short of the Big Twelve title game is going to be a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. And, and this is a window, I mean, even Mac Brown, you know, Mac Brown didn't win a big 12 title until year seven, right? but he, but he played in one in year two, uh, in 99, he played Nebraska and San Antonio lost in Oh one. He played against Colorado. Absolutely should have won. And they would have gone to the national championship game, but they got upset by Colorado. Uh, I don't need to re- relive that horror. Yeah. Um, but if you'll notice, when I talked to Casey Hampton in, uh, on Monday, notice how he said he got in Chris Sims' face against Kansas because they replaced his boy Major yeah. um, with Chris Sims. And he said, listen, man, they put my boy Major on the bench for you. What are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to cause us to lose this game at Kansas? By the way, Texas plays at Kansas this year. And we all know the voodoo for some stupid reason <laughs> that seems to happen in Lawrence, Taylor. Yeah, seriously. Even yeah. Going, oh my gosh, going back to that 2000 game mm-hmm. in Lawrence where Casey Hampton, they go, Sims threw a pick six, they're down 10 nothing. Now they came back and they won like 51 to 10. But yeah, I mean, good heavens. I don't yeah. know what happens to Texas against Kansas. But um, yeah, well, it's, Tom uh, Herman's teams have kind of played up or down to their competition. And that's another thing too, Chip. I think that I think if that happens again this season with all of the talent on this team, then there's some disconnect because that should not happen. Texas should not be needing a field goal to beat Kansas at home um, with a Kansas team that whether they went two games was that two games was it uh, yeah. three and nine three oh sorry three three games. I mean that's just. That can't happen anymore because when Texas was good, that didn't happen all the time, you know, and they may be down like one quarter, but then they just destroyed from there. This can't happen. Okay, so I I pulled up the recruiting rankings from that 2018 class. So Caden Stearns was the number one safety and number one player in the state of Texas, number 19 overall in the country. BJ Foster, number three safety, my bad, not two, in the, in the, the country, number two player in the state, 24 nationally. Jalen Green, number six cornerback in the country, number four in the state, 47 nationally. The Marvian Overshawn, number six safety in the country, number five player in the state, number 52 nationally. Brennan Eagles, number 10 wide receiver in the country, number six player in the state, number 61 nationally. I mean, there's, and then there's, I could keep going, honestly. I mean, they, Texas signed. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten of the top twelve players in the state of Texas that year. And all those players, they're all upperclassmen, you know. Yeah, Joseph Osai, uh, Keandre Coburn, um, Moro Ajomo, all those guys are active and critical to the success of this year's team. Mm-hmm. And Brennan Eagles, I mean, we talk about the unrest and the unpredictability of 2020 because of factors like COVID-19 and the social unrest, Brennan Eagles um, is, you know, he has said, I'm not taking another snap for Texas until uh, things change. And we don't really know what that means because we haven't 
been able to talk to Brennan Eagles, but I know at the beginning of these workouts where the coaches can be on field with players, Brennan was running with the freshmen. And I'm sure part of that is because he has said he's not going to play. Right. So they're trying to get guys up who are, who are going to play or, and then, and they need, okay. I don't want to say they need because Brennan Eagles needs to do whatever he needs to do. But if you're looking at Texas from a, okay, big 12 title game perspective, Brennan Eagles had six touchdown catches last year. He, he was, as you mentioned, a top 100 player. He was like Terrace Marshall for LSU. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were compatible in terms of their, their recruiting ranking. Terrace Marshall was part of that explosion at LSU last year. Brennan Eagles needs to be part of an explosion for Texas this year with Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith. And, and then whether it's Joshua Moore or, you know, Tariq black from Michigan, the grad transfer um, that, I mean, these guys, they all have to help elevate this offense with Mike Yersich and Sam Ellinger. So if Eagles is out of the equation, and Tariq Black better be really good because they're both 6'3". They're, they both are the type that would play the X receiver position. And then, look, if Jordan Whittington is so good and I continue to hear that he's just making play after play, then maybe you have to move him out to the Z receiver spot or put him at X. And Jake Smith, who's also, uh, from what I hear, totally focused and, and dialed in, you got to get your best 11 on the field. So that's why Herman makes the big bucks and, and all of that needs to happen. And, and if Texas is going to make it to the big 12 title game this year. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And Marcus Washington too. You know, I think that's somebody who could really fill a role. Um, and Kennedy, Kennedy Lewis, Lewis who left school. Team. Yeah. Came back. back with the team. You know, that that's the one thing I know there's been a lot of people questioning the wide receiver position because Texas lost Colin Johnson and Devin DuVernay and the year before lost Lil Jordan Humphrey. But um, I really don't. I think Texas has done a really good job at recruiting wide receiver. Um, a lot of the guys I don't think have had the opportunity to really show what they've got yet because they had a Colin Johnson and a Devin DuVernay and a Lil Jordan Humphrey in the last two years. So I really think that as long as these guys are focused, you know, I think it's almost, they probably could have that next man up mentality without even having to really push it. You know, I think that'll be a natural progression for this group. So long as, you know, they, they do stay dialed in and, um, you know, wanting to be with the team. Well, with that, we are going to go and move on to love it or leave it. But before we do, we're going to take a very short break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right. Well, Taylor, is it, is it everybody's favorite time? It is. <laughs> okay. All right. All righty. You know, this is why you go give us the five-star ratings over at iTunes and, and the reviews. And this is why we read your reviews because you love, love it or leave it. Yes. So, Chip, I'm going to pose some statements to you. You're going to either agree by loving it or disagree by leaving it. So I'm going to start here with uh, Texas plays um, at Kansas State this season. Kansas State will be a trap game for Texas. I mean, I, I'm sorry, Texas fans, but I'm going to have to love this because here's the deal. I looked at I looked at Kansas State, and and you know they went they won eight games last year, and that was a bit of a surprise. Mm -hmm. And they lost their offensive line, but they have Skylar Thompson back for his tenth year at quarterback. <laughs> Why and is they, all the K State quarterbacks like that? I swear. <laughs> right, and they lost their grad transfer running back James Gilbert, who had a good year, but they have Josh Youngblood who returned three kicks for touchdowns last year, including a 98 yarder against Texas. And they have Malik Knowles who had the huge play that turned the game at Mississippi state when K state won that game at wide receiver. And here's the thing. Kleiman's a defensive minded guy and they've got the majority of their defense back. And this is a defense that gave up 21 points per game last year. I mean, everyone talks about Baylor. Mm -hmm. and OU had a good turnaround year on defense, but they weren't as good as K-State. Mm -mm. K-State gave up 21 points per game. That's what Todd Orlando gave up, 21 points per game, and it got him a seven hundred or $600,000 raise. And Kleiman's got these guys back, and, and, and his, line, his favorite linebacker, Elijah Gilbert, back. K-State's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. K-State is going to be a nightmare, and they're going to be a nightmare for a while. I mean, Chris Kleiman reminds me of Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly won national championships at Grand Valley State, and I kept saying to anyone who would listen, hire Brian Kelly. This guy's a monster. I said, Nebraska, hire Brian Kelly when they hired Mike Riley. I mean, and what did Brian Kelly do? He tore it up everywhere he went, went to Cincinnati, tore it up. Notre Dame hires him, and he's been in the college football playoff. Been in the national championship game, hadn't won it yet, but he's he's there. Mm -hmm. Well, Chris Kleiman did the same thing at North Dakota State. This guy scares me. He knows what he's doing. He knows. I mean, they destroyed OU last year, Taylor. Oh yeah, and and Skylar Thompson ran for four touchdowns in that game. I mean, and and it was a purposeful game plan to to run Skylar Thompson the way they did. Um, this is a trap game. This scares this game scares me to death. I pick I'm picking Texas to win it because Texas is the better team. I'm trusting Sam Ellinger to be able to navigate that defense, but Mike Yersich and Sam Ellinger are going to have to be on point because you and I have covered games in Manhattan, Kansas. I don't know what happens to Texas there, but it's the Bermuda Triangle. It is. And and it's the week before the Red River Shootout, which man yeah. That's a trap game right there. Yeah. I I'm agree with you. I'm going to love this. Sorry, Texas fans. But, I mean, I love what Chris Kleiman is doing at Kansas State because the reality is 
a place like Kansas State, they were not going to get a huge name, you know, D1 head coach to take over for Bill Snyder. And I know some people were questioning them going after, you know, a coach who had success, you know, at North Dakota State, but still not, you know, Division One college football. But what I saw from Chris Kleiman in year one of him essentially just taking the blueprint of how Bill Snyder's best teams would work and just kind of went with it. I mean, that's that's something that I don't think a lot of coaches actually do. I think that they want to instill their own mentality, their own ideals, everything, like make sure that it's a culture shock the minute that they step on the campus. I think Chris Kleiman, and this is just from the outside opinion, it appeared to me that he essentially just said, why would I change what Bill Snyder did when it worked for so many years? And he had that mentality. I think that Kansas State's in really good hands. I think this is definitely going to be a trap game. I mean, I've yet to cover a game at Kansas State where Texas won. And I've been to Kansas State quite a few times. Now, the one time when they did win, when was that, 2018 at K-State? The first time in over a decade, right? Was that? Yeah, that was... I didn't go to that game, so I, I will say that. But I've been to plenty of Texas-Kansas State games in Manhattan. And, I mean, that stadium, Bill Snyder Family Stadium, is one of those that it's small. But, my goodness, like you feel you feel the crowd from start to finish. Then doing their little push-up thing with the mascot where everybody is, you know, counting the number of points and push-ups. I mean, it's it's electric in there. And it sounds weird to say that about Kansas State and Manhattan, Kansas. Um, but there's something about that stadium. I really think that Texas needs to be on their game. If they, if at all, look overlook that game and looking ahead to the Texas OU game, I think that the Wildcats will have their way with Texas like they did the Sooners last year. Yeah. I mean, remember Deshaun Jameson had a 81-yard punt return for a touchdown. I mean, Texas only won that game like 19-14. Yeah, and one of the K-State touchdowns came on special. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. What else we got here? Love it or leave it? All right, Chip. Um, with Charlie Brewer, Baylor quarterback's injury history and Baylor rebuilding with um, both on the field and with a new coaching staff, Baylor will go as Charlie Brewer goes. Uh, I'm going to love this because I, I mean, when I look at nine starters lost on defense and and look, Denzel Mims, their leading receiver is gone. Jermichael Hasty, their running back is in the NFL now. Charlie Brewers, man, he is absolutely uh, the guy. I mean, they're all looking to him to be the leader, to be the to be the the guts, the heart and soul of that team. I I have to think. I mean, I looked at Baylor's recruiting rankings, and it's not there. I mean, Matt rule did a great job of taking a terrible situation after the art Bryles debacle Mm -hmm. and finding his kind of guys who were three star and two star guys that he developed the crap out of like James Lynch from round rock. Yeah. That guy was the big 12 defensive player of the year last year, defensive lineman of the year, 13 and a half sacks. He's from round rock. Yep. Texas didn't even look at him. So, you know, this is that that was Matt Rule, his staff doing a great job of evaluating and developing. But they didn't they didn't land a bunch of 
top 25 or top 100 or top 200 recruits, Mm -hmm. even in the last year coming off that seven win season. So the time to cash in in recruiting obviously is following this 11 and one season and they had a coaching change. So I just don't see Baylor like being able to plug and play. I could be dead wrong, but I think this is going to be a tough year Yeah, for Baylor because, and the schedule Taylor, I mean, they, they, uh, I don't know. I, I see a hard fall. I see a losing record for, for Baylor and I hate that. And I don't know what to say about Charlie Brewer because again, the last two times we saw him play, he left the field on a cart. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And I'm going to agree with you. I'm, uh, gonna love this and it's unfortunate for Dave Aranda I hope that people at Baylor give him enough time to really rebuild there because I mean the reality is essentially what Matt Rule did now I'm I'm not talking from a um, character value type of stance but essentially what Matt Rule did was what Art Bryles did when he got to Baylor finding those that he knew he wasn't going to get the five stars so they found the diamonds in the rough and developed them And I mean, I can think of like Terrence Williams, you know, when he was there and, um, you know, I mean, RG3 even, you know, he wasn't a five-star quarterback when he was going to Baylor. So I think that, I think that's kind of the, um, the approach you almost have to take if you're the head coach at Baylor and every once in a while you'll get the, the big, you know, maybe four-star type of player and they'll be the, the headliner of your class, but Um, I definitely, I don't, I feel for Dave Aranda definitely this year. I mean, he already was facing an uphill battle at, um, being a first time head coach and then having to rebuild that team that lost so much, especially on defense. And then he doesn't have even any type of in-person practices (laughs) until fall camp starts. I mean, that's, it's a recipe for disaster. Unfortunately for him, it's almost impossible to expect Baylor to, finish even with a 500 record, I think at this point, um, it could happen. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule. They, they open the season with Ole Miss, which is, you know, unfortunate for them. They play non-conference incarnate worth. So that should be, should be a win. They play Louisiana tech. Um, so, you know, there's some games that they could pick up maybe non-conference, but, uh, it's going to be a challenge, no doubt. And if, if Charlie Brewer can't stay healthy, then it's, you know, it's going to be tough, definitely, for Baylor. Yeah, and they play at OU, at Texas, and at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. And, and at Texas me, Tech, too. Yeah, and those are – those are yeah, and yeah, at Lubbock is also a Bermuda Triangle. So yeah, <laughs> so that's, a, that's a tough schedule. After a non-conference schedule, if they can beat Ole Miss in Houston with Lane Kiffin as the head coach, look, anytime you beat the SEC, it's a – it's a score. Right. I think K-State's playing Vanderbilt. That would be another nice, you know, again, it's you're beating an SEC team, and I think K-State will beat Vanderbilt. But um, the conference season, yeah, you Good. open with uh, Kansas on September 12th, which is weird. That yeah, that is a conference weird. game that early. But then your next game is, is at OU on October 3rd. So, um, all right, what else we got, Taylor? All right, so um, Chip, love it or leave it, Oklahoma takes a step back this season with Lincoln Riley relying on a first-time starter at quarterback. I, I, I want to believe it, but I'm going to leave this because Lincoln Riley 
is the best in the business right now. I mean, when it comes to offensive football, this guy, after talking to Baker Mayfield um, last year in the offseason about how Lincoln Riley coaches his quarterbacks and how he empowers them with the simplicity of his offense, but also with Lincoln Riley's knowledge of what is going to work and then infusing that confidence into his quarterbacks to the point where Baker Mayfield said, you walk out on the field expecting to destroy everybody. And we all walk out with that kind of confidence. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to doubt Lincoln Riley. I mean, if Texas is going to beat OU, they're going to have to beat them. I mean, this is what you want. This is like 2008 when you had Sam Bradford and Colt McCoy and you had NFL players all over the field. I mean, this is what you want. You're going to have to beat them at their best and, and you're going to have to rise and, and stare down OU like you did two years ago in the Red River shootout when Kyler Murray led that crazy comeback and Sam Ellinger very calmly led them down the field to Cameron Dicker's game-winning field goal. That was an incredible game. Right. And I think we'll see that same kind of game this year. So, so I'm going to leave this. You leave it. You think that they will not take a step back. I, I do not think they'll take a step back. I think OU is going to be – they're going to be hard to beat. Now, I have said my Big 12 upset of the year is OU at Iowa State um, on October 17th. I think the Cyclones get them. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's only because John Haycock and that Iowa State defense have a ton of talent back. And Haycock's as good as there is at – flummoxing the OU I mean the Sooners they Iowa State should have won that game in Norman last year it was 42 41 so I mean it's gonna be fun I mean we got some good teams at the top we got some good teams at the top and we got some teams like K-State and TCU who are gonna they're gonna get some people and and ruin some seasons yeah for sure I'm gonna I'm gonna love it and and say that Oklahoma State's gonna take a slight, you know, step back, but I'm going to say that as the fact that they may not have a Heisman trophy finalist, <laughs> which will be the first time in what three years. Uh, it's, right. This will be the first time in four years because the last three years they've at least had a Heisman finalist in New York. Two of those were winners with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. So from that stance, just to disagree with you a little bit because I I do think that you never. You, I'm not going to count out. Lincoln Riley. There's no reason to. He has proven that time and again that he knows how to win. And, you know, he's a young coach and he's won every single year, you know. And so I think that I think they're going to be good. They're going to be a really difficult team to beat. But I'll say that they will take a slight step back because I don't think Spencer Rattler will be or whoever their quarterback is. I think it'll be Spencer Rattler, but we'll be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. There you go. There you go. Your step back is. Just they that. won't have a quarterback at the Heisman ceremony. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yep. yep. That's what mine is. Okay. All right. That would be a step back. It would be. Exactly. So, yep. well all right, Chip. So, one more I have for you, and this is going to be a little funny one. So, one of our favorite memories, at least in recent history at Big 12 Media Days, was in 2015. Uh, I'll give a little backstory for everyone, but uh, I was sitting there with Chip and with uh, his former radio show host, uh, you know, uh, Sean Adams. And uh, we're watching this girl and she's on a hoverboard and she's dro- oh. like kind of rolling towards 
the uh, back where they were doing like one-on-one interviews. I think Bryce Petty may have been back there with Baylor. So she's on her iPad, on the hoverboard. And my first, I thought at the time, like, man, like this girl, I, like it seems like she's showing off a little bit, like what's going on. And I'm not kidding, within like seconds after that, she ate it so bad. And as somebody that was in a scooter accident, I have, I feel for people who are in accidents. However, this was hilarious. And like, she was fine. It was just, I remember seeing like heels like go flying everywhere. Oh <laughs> it God. was, it was one of those memories. But so with It was that, like a skier falling down the hill. Yes. And the gloves are up, the poles, the skis. Mm-hmm. It was a yard sale. I mean, was- I felt so bad for her because she was very confident in herself. Yeah. She yeah. was put together. She had nice, she looked nice. She was all dressed up. But why on earth was she cruising around? in a heavily trafficked area on a hoverboard while reading an iPad too. While reading an iPad. <laughs> yeah. And it was, yeah, little did we know that was probably the hardest hit of the year in the big 12 that year. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I agree with that. So love it or leave it, Chip, there will be a harder hit in the big 12 this year. Okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to let this gal off the hook because, um, I will, I will expect Joseph Osai t- to deliver a hit harder than that poor gal took uh, <laughs> in the hallway of the Omni Hotel on her hoverboard. I'm just glad um, she was, all, it was carpeted surface, honestly. Yeah. Like, because I, I, when I got in my accident, I face planted into concrete. And let me tell you, she didn't face plant though. She kind of like rolled a little bit. It wasn't, I don't even know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Heels were in the air though. Like literally, I remember Sean be like, "What the hell just happened?" <laughs> I yeah. was rolling, like rolling, laughing. Oh my god! I didn't walk away because I felt bad. But I was like laughing at her after she crashed. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. yeah, that was that was quite the memory at Big Twelve meet. I don't think we've had another hoverboard since. No, no, I don't think so either. I did. I think she worked for the Big Twelve too, didn't she? Oh, maybe. I think she did. That's unfortunate. They probably banned him. That's a dang coaching mistake right there. (laughs) Yeah. Man. All right, Taylor, good stuff. Uh, Hope everyone enjoyed our preview of Big 12 football media days. And uh, please, uh, if you're not uh, a member at Horns 24-7, get an annual subscription so that you get access to all the VIP content and on all the team sites in the 24-7 Sports Network. And get over to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating for the flagship podcast. Tell all your friends and enemies to listen and and write us a a sterling review, and we'll read it. We'll make you a star right here on the flagship podcast. Um, For the fearless Taylor Estes, uh, our managing editor at Horns 24-7, I am Chip Brown. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Stay safe and keep the faith. And we'll talk to you next week. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.